Hello and welcome to another episode of the Don't Give Her Up podcast. I uh, got pulled over by the police for speeding. Oh my God. <laughs> Andy, for some reason, decides he wants to flip the car. So he's there <laughs> flipping this little Fiat. And he went, Fancy. He said, You need to retire. Now, I look back on that, on that time in Wales, well, it was just pretty remarkable journey to life. The All Blacks are expected to win, and not only expected to win, but to do it with an ash. By the time I got offered a contract, I'd already signed for France. We found him unconscious in someone else's tent. Hello everyone and welcome to a very special episode of the Don't Give Ruck podcast. We are today officially one years old and to celebrate, we are giving you one of the most intriguing shows we have done to date. The ginger monster himself, Neil Jenkins, joins us on today's show to discuss his history with the Lions, the selection for this year's tour and much, much more. So sit back, relax and enjoy this very special show with myself, Nathan Parker, and the great Neil Jenkins. Neil, first things first, uh, it's an absolute honour and a privilege to be speaking to uh, a Welsh and British Lions legend, but also a Pontypridd legend, a club that's close to my heart as well. Um, I know how busy you've been over the last few months with Wales and the Lions, but we're just over four weeks now till the first match against Japan. The excitement must be uh, through the roof, mate. Yeah, yeah, without doubt. This um, seems a long time coming, if I'm honest. It's obviously more often not. We would have started a tour by now. Um, mm-hmm. You'd be away wherever you are in the respective country and you'd be underway. So, um, yeah, it's a little bit different. Test matches going into August as well. So that's something new for us, really, and obviously for the players. Uh, mm-hmm. But again, looking forward to it. And yeah, looking forward to the next few weeks and hopefully getting underway pretty quickly against Japan. Yeah, and it's amazing. The Lions must have played such a huge part in your life. You've been an ever-present now since 97 as a player and a coach, apart from the 2005 tour. Um, how big a part has the Lions played in your life personally? Yeah, it's, it's, like I always say, that when you're growing up, you're, you're, you're ultimate honour. It's obviously to play for your nation, uh, to represent mm-hmm. your country, Wales, in regards myself. And I was very lucky to do that at a young age. And your, your sights quickly turned, uh, certainly when the Lions tour is coming around, to, to, it is the ultimate honour. It is the ultimate honour to represent the Lions and, um, you know, I've been lucky enough to represent them in 97 and 2001 as a player and obviously from 09 as, as an assistant coach. So uh, it, it, there's nothing better if you ask me. It's, it's the ultimate honour. You play New Zealand, Australia, South Africa on their own, in their own terms, in their own backyard and to try and get four nations to come together quickly to represent the British and Irish Lions to play against them is, is not easy, but it is an incredible honour, it's an incredible feeling to be involved in, and it's always a privilege to pull that badge on the chest. Yeah, and, and you yourself, you've been so synonymous with the Lions, as we said, as a player and coach, but 97 was was the biggest year maybe of your, your career, you know, breaking through into that Lions team, playing a full-back. Um, and as I said, I talked to your good friend Paul Wallace yesterday, and we we had a good half-hour chat about the 97 Lions, and he said the camaraderie of, of that side in particular was was something he'd never witnessed before, even at you know international level with with Ireland. Um, would you agree with that? Was the camaraderie you know on a different level? Without doubt, this is the best tour I've been on. With, mm. You know, and it's, it's, it's comfortably the best. Um, I, I was I was one of them players on tour that because I could play in a couple of positions, I always tend to be on the bench. So if I weren't yeah. playing, I was like the sub in. So I was involved in twelve of the thirteen games. So um, 
And for me, that showed the camaraderie of the trip and the togetherness of the boys. But if you're involved in a midweek game on a Tuesday, you'd be up on a Wednesday getting get, preparing the boys for the Saturday. And if you're playing yeah. on a Saturday, you're up on a Sunday preparing the boys for a Tuesday. You know, you'd go out and have a few beers with, with your teammates and, and the team will play that day. But then mm. the next day, then you'd be back up and getting ready for the boys to go again in the, in the, in the, in the following game. And uh, I think that just spoke volumes for me of what it's all about, really. Um, it's probably a split tour between still part amateur and obviously into yeah. professionalism. And uh, Wally certainly led the, 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 the team <laughs> in that regard. But um, but look, it, it was an incredible tour, and uh, you know, it was part part old, part new, and uh, it was unbelievable to be a part of it. And as Wally would say, and as I say, the camaraderie, and I think everyone else would say it, the, 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 the togetherness of the players on that trip was was unreal. And um, I think it just showed in the way the boys performed, and obviously, you know, come away with an incredible victory against an incredible team. Yeah, and, and looking through your career, at the top of my head, I couldn't really remember a time that you'd played fullback for Wales. But in fact, only six or seven months prior to the, the series, you played fullback against South Africa for Wales in Cardiff, yeah. I believe. Um, yeah. well, well, you know, you were going into that, that tour as, as one of the best outside halves in Britain at the time, or, you know, at, at the, in the world as well. Um, how did you feel about being per fullback? Or were you just happy to, to be in the test team? Yeah, last season, pretty much Kevin, Kevin Bowen was our coach of Wales mm. and uh, he wanted supposedly our, our best players. And he included myself and Arwell. He felt that we both, he needed us on the pitch at the same time. So, because mm. I played other positions and obviously Arwell hadn't, it was me that was moving really. And uh, they put me to full back. Look, I, I'll be honest with you, at the point in time, I was happy to play, you know. Yeah. Um, um, and, you know, it was a privilege always to, to wear the feathers and to play for your country. And, uh, and again, to be involved in a team, you know, like Wales, was pretty special for me. Um, look, it wasn't my favourite position. I didn't want to play there. Mm. I wanted to play outside half. I'm not going to lie about that. Um, that was my favourite position by you know uh, by a mile, but but you know to play for Wales and then obviously known as a Lions here as well, and maybe thinking I had a chance maybe of going whether it be a ten or fifteen um, to be playing Test football was I thought was huge and I needed to be playing and um, and obviously you know I, I played the Five Nations at fifteen, played that yeah. autumn game against South Africa at fifteen and then broke my arm in the last game against England and after five minutes mm. so um, so it was a long wait between there and obviously um, the actual two going ahead you know whether I make it or not but um, but again look you know just play and I, look, after the tour I, I'd said to Kevin look I, I want to focus on ten I want to mm. play ten I don't want to play fifteen anymore and if you feel you know I'm not good enough to play ten I understand you know and uh, I can I'll take it on the chin but um, but you know leading up to that I was more than happy to play anyway because mm. I know. Um, you based your, a lot of your kicking style on Grant Fox, I, I believe, earlier in, in your yeah. early days. But two of your favourite players were, were Jonathan Davis and and Ellery Hanley, was wasn't it? Yeah. You, know, you know, for, yeah. for someone to have you know those as their two best player or their favourite players, you know, they're very open running players. Did you try to yeah. base your game on them? Um, yeah, I didn't. You know, I think obviously most people see me as a kicker. Um, which is fine, you know. I, I got no problem with that. And when I first started playing for Ponapri, there wasn't the first choice kicker. When I first started playing for Wales, I wasn't the first choice kicker. Paul Thorburn was, and, and Jonathan Mason did it at Ponty when I was at uh, Ponapri. Um, so you know, I, I've always, you know, my, my first caps for Wales, whether it be youth or, um, or or for the seniors, was pretty much on not being a, a kick in ten. So I just developed my skills over a period. Really, I, I you know, after the first season of Ponapri, Mason didn't really want to do it. So I thought, well, I'm the 10, so I should probably fall on me to do it. And I was willing to do it. And uh, and again, it's another string to your bow and you should be able to be a, a pretty good kicker in that position anyway. Um, so I worked pretty hard that summer after my first year. 
and um, studied videos of Lionel and Fox and probably more suited Fox was to the way I wanted to kick. And mm. I took a lot on board of what he did, really. So, um, and then, you know, it just went from there. Look, I had, they had a couple of days where, you know, didn't go to plan against Ireland in 93 was certainly one of them. Um, I learned a few harsh lessons on my way through, but, you know, I certainly I got to a point where, you know, I, I learned my lesson and educated myself um, throughout a few years. And, um, you know, I'd like to think I've, I've become one of the better ones then. But um, certainly wasn't natural to me, certainly starting off. I was more of a passing, running 10, so that I could defend pretty well. Um, so, you know, a lot of the, the skills that, um, that were needed at that point in time I had, probably a kick in was the least of them. Yeah. And in terms of fly halves, they seem to me the most superstitious players on the pitch because, you know, you go back to Dan Bigger in 2015, you know, before that tournament, he, he never used to do the hair flick or, you know, when he was uh, aiming for a kick. And I think yours was three steps backwards, two and a half to the side, a little little yeah, kick four, to the four, side. Four back, two and a half, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah why, why is that? Why, why do you have to get that done before the kick? Is, is it all mental? Um, I, don't, I don't I don't think, you know, you're actually doing half the time, if I'm honest with yeah. you. I think it's just people pick up on it when they're watching you on TV or whatever it is. Um, I think Dan was the same. Don't you realise who's actually doing it? Then uh, myself, <laughs> we do the same as well. As you get a little bit older, you probably get weary of it and you think a little bit more about it and less <laughs> yeah. than that. But, you know, sometimes habits are habits and they're very difficult to get rid of them. So, um, but yeah. Biggs, Biggs is the same. I think it was quite a, a bigger rain and stuff and that. But um, the reality is you can stand on your head if you want. You put the ball between <laughs> the points. It doesn't really matter, do it? Yeah. So, um, look, it, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, Dan's not the only one. I'm not the only one. People got certain traits and certain ways. Johnny, you know, with his... Mm. Um, you know, with his posture and stuff, and how he did it, uh, Owen now. Um, so, um, you know, it's, um, it looks like you got laser eyes, Owen, doesn't he? He's <laughs> taking over battle. So, um, yeah. it's just like everyone's different, and um, it's just the way they do it. And, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. These boys are accurate, they're some of the best. And, uh, you know, as I said, I'd be more than happy you stand on your head if it means you nail a kick, well, so be it. Yeah. Uh, would, would it be fair to say the conditions out in South Africa in 97 suited your kicking? Um, yeah, I'd say so. I didn't look. Like, I, I went because well, of the amount of work we did with Dave in '97. Mm. Dave Walker was our kicking coach, and uh, I did a little bit of work with Dave with Adidas prior to that, but not much. Um, and Dave is brilliant. You know, he's the best I've come across. I've been involved in it now and do the kicking side myself. And uh, Dave's incredible. He's just an unbelievable uh, how he goes about it. Um, his knowledge, um, his understanding, his, you know, his delivery, and everything is incredible. Mm. Um, so I took an awful lot from Dave in '97, and I basically changed to a T in '97. So um, I just felt the amount of work we were doing it was easier than carrying a bucket of sand around for, for twelve weeks <laughs> or ten weeks. So because um, Kerry Sweeney copied you then, didn't he? I think Kerry Sweeney uh, was his sand. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah. It's like Fox was sand, so I, I did similar, and I like to lean the ball forward. And always used to feel that it would sit well on the on the sand in terms of where mm. I was aiming to hit the ball and the and the trajectory of the ball as well. Always be pretty straight and low. So, um, so it was a lot of that stuff. So I did a lot of work with Dave on that in that summer, and you know switched to a T just purely for that tour, and uh, and you know, and luckily enough, it worked out. Mm. And, and sticking with kicking, well, kicking to a certain point. I, I heard after the series was won that um, you got quite drunk and you, you drop kicked an orange at somebody <laughs> or, or something I, I, like I, that. I, I hear that. I hear that story quite a bit. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it's true if I'm honest, but I on. Possibly could be true as well because I can't remember a great deal after. I'm not going to lie. I was stuck in doing a drugs test after the second test, yeah. and um, I oh, that looks so awkward. So I ended up yeah drinking quite a bit in that period, <laughs> and obviously it hit me a little bit later. So, um, but oh. look, I, I 
I, I, there's lots of stories about that. I couldn't tell you whether they're true or not. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> How long were you in that, that drug testing room? Because it seemed like forever on, on the documentary. Yeah, it did seem like so. I can't remember you know, <laughs> off the top of my head, if I'm honest. I was in there for some time, that's for sure. The boys yeah. had left the stadium. They'd gone back on the bus and everything anyway, and they were back at the yeah. hotel. So, um, um, so I was just enjoying myself with the the, the drug taker. <laughs> don't sound yes. like that, does it? <laughs> <laughs> you were with Robson when you were the, the the first aider, weren't you? Yeah, James. Yeah, James. <laughs> yeah, so he was a, he was the his own doctor, so he was there looking after us while uh, you know keeping an eye on us, making sure everything was done properly. Yeah, it, I don't think I asked Paul this, but did, do you ever watch Living with the Lions back at all? Just to you know, refresh I have memory. Seen it. Yeah, I have, I have seen it. Um, I seen it when I was on not long ago, so I actually taped that one, and we watched this through and I watched it with uh, with my family. So yeah. um, uh, I think they ran the laugh as well, like you know. So uh, yeah, it's good. It's good fun in this. It's very difficult to replicate the one that went on in '97. Mm. I know they've tried on numerous tours, but you know to replicate that, I think is nigh on impossible, really. Because as I said, you was was part amateur, part professional, mm. um, and the rugby was obviously was was fantastic as well. And the boys and, the, and everything that just sort of fell into place for that for that period of time was was quite incredible, really. And mm. we got some serious characters on there as well. We loved the camera. Ben Doss was one of them. <laughs> I used to hide it, from him all that all the time because he was looking for me or looking for someone to interview or talk to or film. So um, I would be the other way, me. I'd be hiding and stuff. So, but look, it, it's, it's just incredible, really. How it all sort of the, the way it is, and when you watch, look back at it and stuff, and you hear the coaches talking as well, it's pretty incredible, really, and it's a fantastic program. Mm. Well, I think it was within the space of seven years. It like everything happened so quickly that you actually become a. Uh, I think it was a kicking skills coach with the with the WRU took up a, a role there in 2004. Um, yeah. Did you always want to get into coaching, even like looking towards the end of your career? Did you always want to get into coaching? Yeah, I probably was looking to do something. Um, Graham Henry mm. said to me in about 2001, 2002, that um, he felt the game was changing a little bit and there was need for more specialist coaches. Um, not mm. like the NFL, but, you know, it's on similar type of... Um, uh, type of lines really where obviously they got special teams and stuff like that and he was literally thinking about more specialist coaches uh, and kicking was one of them um, you know he said it might come to the point where it could be scrum coaches you know and lineups you know were more comfortable doing lineups and scrums and different parts of the game and basically that's how the game is nowadays you know you have an attack coach or a defense coach you've got your overall coach but then you've got someone like myself who can help with the skills and the kicking and then you've got a contact coach as well and stuff and that so um and in the Lions in the past, we've taken a scrum coach as well, as well as a forwards mm. coach. So, um, so look, this, you know, Graham was the one really put it to me um, in the early 2000s. And, and then the union got on to me then when I more or less finished playing. I had about six months off and not doing a great deal, uh, just trying to rest and recover a little bit from everything. And uh, mm. I look back on things. And then I you know I started getting involved then with the union part time. And, you know, I, I really loved it. I absolutely loved it. Like, um, you know, Dan, Bigger, Lee Halfpenny, James Hook, Chris Priestland. Um, these type of boys are some of the first boys that I started looking after mm. um, in their respective regions. So um, it was you know, it was brilliant. I really enjoyed every minute of it, to be honest. Um, I was there from about 2004 till 2006, where I went in with the senior team and in the summer of 2006 before we went to Argentina. Mm. And, and I've been there since. So, But the academy days, it was it was a very good setup. I, I you know I thought anyway at the point in time was um, we had myself looking after the kick in. We had Rob, Robin McBride who was doing a lot of the mm. forward stuff and the scrums um, around the regions. Uh, you had Danny Wilson uh, who's yeah. in Glasgow now. Danny um, and obviously he's done the Blues and he's been involved with Scotland. Griff Reese uh, he was mm. another one and Wayne Jones, uh, Lee Jones's brother. 
So, um, so there's the five of us, and we'd spend time in each of the regions, and um, it, it was it was excellent to be honest. I'd spend, you know, I always remember that Monday would be down in the Scarlets. Um, I'd be down there Monday evening, spending a fair bit of time down there, and there's quite a lot of the boys that are playing now um, that have you know done exceptionally well. Tuesday morning, I, I would spend, I would go to Bristol University with Reese Priestland. Um, he'd, yeah. he'd come from Scarlet Academy. We generally be on a Monday, but he was a Tuesday morning, so I'd go up there on a Tuesday, and then I'd go back down to the Knoll End in the afternoon, and and uh, uh, with the Osprey boys down there with the big hockey offers, yeah. these type of guys. So, um, and then the, it was the Blues, and then the Dragons, the Blues Wednesday, Dragons Thursday. So it was a, mm. a fantastic week, really. Um, I used to love everything about it, especially the, you know the traveling, catching up with the players, seeing how they were working from week to week. And I thought that was a real, real good time because a lot of them boys have come through and they've done exceptionally well in, you know, in, in with Wales and obviously in the game in general. Mm. And in terms of your role as a coach, I think as a supporters, you know, the only time we get to see you on the television is is when you're bringing the kicking tee on for maybe Liaf Penny or, or Dan Bigger. Um, do you give them any advice just before the kick, or do you just stay quiet? No, I might say something. It just depends on how the game's going, how the practice has been going. I might say something. I won't say a great deal. I'm not someone that says a great deal anyway. Really, I'm, you know, I'm quite quiet in, in that regard, and you know, I'm sure the players would say that. Um, but if I need to say something, I will. If I need to get stuck into them, I will. Um, <laughs> and but you know, the reality is they've done their work in the week. They prepared well and properly. And um, you know, again, like I said, less things, anything's untoward. Obviously, I give the messages to the players that need them. Um, from from obviously the coaches, uh, depending on what they are. So um, yeah, so you know, we, we I think we you know in our set, especially I mean, we've got some, obviously the medical side are very good, understand the game. Our conditioners are, are you know again very very good and understand the game as myself. So I think we've got some good people involved that can deliver the messages if we need to. But I'll be honest with you, nine out of ten times the boys have seen it anyway. You know mm-hmm. they've already the message. Yeah, we've seen that jinx or whoever it is and. You know, I think that says a lot about the players and where the team is at this moment in time. You know, I think they've come a long way and uh, they can they can understand and make decisions as the game's unfolding themselves without any help from the staff. Because um, more often than not, I think with us, you know, we'd go out coaching Monday, Tuesday and probably Thursday to a point. Uh, but on the Friday then, it's over to the team. Uh, we, we, we're we minimal involved. Um, we let the boys go about their business and they're the ones playing and they prepare them for the mm. test match and they get themselves right for the Saturday. Yeah, and on this Lions tour, you, you're working alongside Warren Gatland, but you know that team that the core of the coaching staff that come together in I think it was December 2007 when Warren Gatland came in. It was Warren Gatland, Sean Edwards, Rob McBride, um, yourself, and Rob Howley, and you stuck together for many years. How enjoyable has that been? Because you know Wales have been well. It's probably the most successful Wales have been since the 70s, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, they have. Look, it's it's an incredible time, you know. I think when mm. you look very friendly with both Robin and Rob, uh, growing up together, playing against yeah. each other, with each other in terms of you know the teams and the national team. Uh, Sean, uh, I was a big fan of. I'm a big Wigan rugby league man, so mm. um, I didn't know Sean, but obviously enjoyed him playing rugby league and how good he was and stuff. And he's a born winner. And obviously, Gats just speaks for itself, you know, his, his coaching pedigree and, you know, who he is. And um, just, you know, for him to ask me to stay on was, was pretty special in that regard, really, from my perspective. You know, I learned so much and, and the Gats and the rest of the coaches throughout that period and uh, how he is as a person, how he deals with people, you know, family come first. You know, he's just an incredible person, really. He's just, you know, he's a world-class coach, but he's a world-class person as well, And uh, which, you know, for me is more important, if I'm honest with you, and the same as the other guys. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to work in there, but... Again, as I said, family comes first, but 
on the other side as well, they're all born winners and uh, they're desperate yeah. to win, desperately be successful. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, I said that Wales' record in that period speaks for itself, you know, with the successes in the Grand Slams. Um, um, obviously, World Cup's been a little bit unlucky on twice to not make the final. Mm. And obviously, the Lions' successes as well. So, um, it's, uh, you know, that's, that speaks volumes of them, really. But mm. the most important thing for me is they, they're good people. That's the most mm. important. I was going to say, you know, you, you, your career was so good. And does you, almost your coaching achievements now outweigh what you achieved as a player um, in some senses? Because... You look five. I think it's five Six Nations titles, two yeah. semi-finals in the World Cup. But it's yeah. ridiculous. It's, it's yeah, ridiculous it what you've like, achieved. You know, I've won. Yeah, won a, won a Five Nations as a player in '94 with Wales. Yeah, you know, so that's one compared to five. Mm. So that, that that's a huge difference. These boys have been exceptional. Obviously, I was lucky enough to win a Lions series as well, and I've been involved to win one and draw one as well since. Um, and obviously World Cups, you know, furthest I got was the quarterfinals, and you know we were very, very unlucky on both occasions, two mm. out of the three times. We were unlucky in 2015 as well against South Africa at Twickenham yeah. in the quarters. Um, so you could argue we could have been in, you know, we, we touch and go to be in three semi-finals really, and mm. both them semi-finals we were very unlucky not to win. <laughs> So, um, it's, was it one point in, in the both well, form? Or nine, eight, nine, eight, and, and 28, 1916, wasn't it? Um, the one just gone. So, um, so you know, these games could have gone either way. And, you know, to be fair, in 11, we played with 14 men. Um, mm-hmm. um, we lost a couple of players, missed a couple of kicks that day as well. So, you know, for us, to, we probably still should have won that game. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, probably should have lost them in 2019 in the quarters. But, mm-hmm. look, it's the way a game goes, it's the way it is. And... Uh, and I think we, we've been unlucky with Gats, really, not to win a few more titles as well. We've come second on a couple of occasions. Mm. Probably England, even though we've beaten England quite a bit and we knocked them out their own World Cup, they, they've beaten us on a couple of occasions and taken a grand slam away from us. Yeah. Um, you know, with a, with a first or second half performance from us, which wasn't good enough. Mm. So we've ended up being second in the Six Nations. So we could, you could easily argue there's another two or three titles in us as well mm. um, in that period. So, um, yeah, it's been an incredible period. And, I think it's the amount of players that Gats have brought, brought, you know, brought through. Obviously, Alan Wynn is still playing. He's just, you know, he's an incredible athlete, an incredible man. Um, he was first captain in 2006, and he's still playing now. Yeah, unreal. and he, unreal. he just missed out on the the 2005 Grand Slam, didn't he? But here you, yeah. you think yeah, yeah, that, that, so, that would be six, six, six nations yeah. titles, four Grand Slams, and it's. And I was just gonna, I was just gonna mention Alan Wynn. He's been a mainstay since you've been with Wales, really, since 2006. Um, what's he like to work with? Of course, he's the he's the British and Irish Lions captain. I think Warren Gatland's come out and uh, recently said, you know, in the early days, he, he was quite hard to coach. Yeah, pro- probably. It's just the nature of him. He's, he's a winner. Um, I have a bit of banter with him and stuff on Mondays and stuff and that. But you know, sometimes it's not a good time to be around him on a Monday, especially if he's if he's tired. <laughs> But no, he's, he's he's been. I was with him in the under twenty ones as well with Wales. I worked with him in the under twenty ones um, back in two thousand six. So look, he's he's incredible. He's just well. What can you say? One hundred and forty eight Welsh caps is it? I think nine Lions caps. Another tour, four Lions tours. He's going on uh, four World Cups, I believe. You know, probably could aim for a fifth. Um, I don't know. Grand Slams, championships, <laughs> league titles with the Ospreys, um, and yet still. Is there to achieve more and do more, and um, yeah. and, and rightly so. And still, it's getting better. If you ask me, it just keeps getting mm. better. It's just unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. He's, I don't know if you say can say freak. I'm not too sure, but you know, he's, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's freak. He's one of them. He's just uh, you know, he's he's just a standout person, which you won't see for a long, long time. Incredible athlete, incredible person, and um, you know, I'm thinking you got a bit more in him yet. There's no doubt in that. 
Yeah, and of course, you know, I've got to congratulate yourself on, on the on the Six Nations victory just gone. You know, it, what a turnaround for for Wayne Pivak and and you guys in, in the coaching team. There was a lot of talk, you know, during the I think there was the October November time. A lot of talk about Wayne Pivak, you know, and you know he he's not good enough to lace up Warren Gatlin's boost, but he's proved everyone wrong, you know, at the end of the day. And you know, some of the youngsters that he's brought through are incredible. Um, yeah. how impressed have you been with with Wayne to to be able to you know turn everything around in such a short period of time? Yeah, I've been I've been very impressed with him, if I'm honest, with mm. with, with Wayne, uh, with Stephen, with all the coaches. You know, obviously I fell for Byron when. You know when when that came about and stuff mm. and you know it's not it's not easy stuff like that. You know he's a good guy, he's a good man, and uh, he got you know incredible rugby knowledge. And uh, it's it's quite tough to take, and that's it's not, it's not easy for Wayne to do something like that. Um, look, I think it's you know I obviously a little bit you can argue, can't it, with with Wales just stepping into something like Alex Ferguson's shoes at mm. at the United and stuff, stuff like that. So you know Gats have done an incredible job for Wales, and he's a fantastic mm. guy, but. To be fair to Wayne, he's come in, he's had his own ideas, he's wanted to do things in a certain way. You know, he's, he's taken a bit of stick along the way, there's no doubt in that, but, you know, he's come out the other side and he's kept fighting, he's kept saying this is the way he wants to go about things and this is the way we want to play. And I think that showed certainly in the Six Nations just gone. Um, you know, I thought the Six Nations last year, 2020, we were a little bit unlucky in a few of the games. Probably I felt definitely should have beaten France at home, definitely should have beaten Scotland. Yeah. You can argue that it's one of once or two scenarios in and the Ireland and the England games where you know maybe if we'd have got them right, we could possibly could have won them games as well. Yeah. So um, you know, and then the autumn obviously, you know, we were coming back out of lockdown. I think a lot of the boys and, and you know, I don't think they mind me saying this, we weren't conditioned to play test football. There's mm. no doubt in that. So we had to take a few things on the chin, um, all of us in, in the autumn. And but I always said as the autumn progressed, we tended to get better. Mm. So, um, and you know, we played England. I know England beat us, I think it was 27 13 in the end, but the yeah. game was pretty tight. And, um, you know, I think from there and the other games, you know, we beat Italy comfortably, although they got back in the game, you know. So, we were starting to turn the corner, I felt, and a couple of key players were getting back to condition and starting to play well. Mm. Um, Tulupe Falata was one of them, you know, starting to find his form again. You know, Ken was coming back from injury. Uh, Josh mm. Davidi was starting to hopefully get back fully fit. So with quite a few players that um, that we'd missed really were big losses to us. We're starting to get fit. And then um, by the time the Six Nations come around, obviously they, they were all ready, ready to go. And you know, I think someone like Ken Al was obviously got himself fit from his injury in our last game. Josh was coming back, you know, it made a massive, massive difference to us. And um, mm. I think you've seen that in the way we played. Yeah, and it is amazing because I, I think the first game back from lockdown was France away in a friendly, wasn't it? And I know we scored, I think, in the first two minutes with with Liar Penny in the corner, but they, they almost just blew us away then from there on in. And and the the journey that that side went on from that game to the last game against France, where France scored in the I think France scored in the, the first couple of minutes, and I thought, oh, here we go. They they brought their A game to come back and back and then yeah. take a surge lead. You know, I think we went 10 yeah. points ahead. And realistically, we should have probably won that game, but you know, a bit of you know experience here and there, we probably would have. Um, how amazing has that journey been? You know, because I think there was in the space of what, like five months, three months. You know, there was about ten games where you've seen the side get conditioned, and it yeah. must be great to see as well to see these youngsters coming through. Yeah, it is. It's, it is. It is. We've had we've had some really really good players coming through in recent times. As I said, uh, I think a key to a lot of it is is like the experienced players keeping themselves fit, getting fit, minimal injuries. And they were key, you know, for, for Wayne and his selection uh, in the Six Nations just gone. 
Uh, and, and the way we want to play as well, you know, I think it's, you know, it's an attractive style. We try and play rugby. Of course, you've got to be smart. You've got to play in the right areas. There's no doubt in that. But Wayne is keen on the boys playing rugby. He's keen on scoring tries. Obviously, Steve's doing a fantastic job. Gethin's come in, doing a fantastic job as well defensively. And, and John as well, you know, with the forwards. So, um, and we've got Gareth Williams as well, who um, looks after the contact side of things. Mm-hmm. Again, he's he's a fantastic coach as well, and is you know, and I think I think everyone suits each other at this moment in time, and it's a real good mix and a good blend, and what we're looking to do and how we're trying to play, and um, and obviously, of course, winning winning you know makes a massive difference. But mm. I think the way we went through the Six Nations, I felt that we played some of our best rugby in the first twenty minutes against Ireland. Yeah. Played actually not very well when they went to fourteen men, but we played <laughs> excellent for twenty minutes when they were fifteen men. It's a different pressure then, isn't it? Yeah, it's, I've seen that a lot lately. Obviously, there's been so many red cards over, you know, the last year or two. You know, it's almost become a part of the game now, unfortunately. And it is that heart, that mental side of it where you're like, it's 14 men. Where can we, you know, exploit the spaces? Yeah, def- definitely. And, you know, it took us a little bit of time to get a grip for that in that game. Mm-hmm. Ireland, obviously, a good side. Um, and we got a grip for it. And, you know, I thought there was a, a week later, in terms of when you play on a Sunday... And you've got to travel, and it's a six-day turnaround. The win up in Scotland, certainly being seventeen-three down, was a fantastic win. You know, because the boys—it's not easy to. You know, people might think, "Ah, oh, yeah." I can assure you, when you see the, the state and these boys after they play a game of that magnitude, and they got to get themselves right for the following Saturday with a short turnaround with travel, it's not easy. You know, the day makes a huge amount of difference. The one day, the extra day in terms of week, but for the boys to do that and get through that game and win that game was incredible. And mm-hmm. you know, I just thought they were fantastic against England. You know, we come to be a better team on the day. England got back, I know, but um, England probably played some of the better rugby that day than they did throughout the World Championship. So, mm-hmm. um, so that was a fantastic win, and then. Obviously, game we probably should have won. We didn't win. It was it was mm. the last game where we we'd done enough? It was hundred percent a penalty try. Yeah, um, when Jones said that uh, to me, yeah, you know, yeah, it was hundred percent a penalty try. And 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 obviously, you can argue probably Josh Adams' try supposedly wasn't a try. It was held up, but look, it evens itself out throughout the season. And mm. I think if someone had said to us at the start, we're going to win the championship and play for a Grand Slam at the end, and you know, just come up short. Well, we probably would have taken that. There's no doubt in that. So, um, yeah. but to win and be successful, I thought it was a fantastic achievement for Wayne and everyone involved. And um, and it's not just the coaching staff; is obviously the players, obviously are incredible. Mm. But you know, the, the 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 analysts, the medical staff, the conditioners—they do an unreal job. Honestly, absolutely mm. incredible. And it's, it's a fantastic set to be involved in. Mm. You you made everyone proud because you know, obviously, everyone's stuck in COVID, and you know, we're all stuck indoors at, at that time, and we didn't know when we were going to get out of it. To have that thing of each week. Having the Six Nations, it was absolutely phenomenal for everyone at home. So, uh, so thank you for that. Um, let's bring it. Let's bring it forward now to the, the Lions that's coming up now, Neil. Um, in terms of the selection, was this the hardest squad to pick? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, look, it is, it is. It is the hardest squad. The Six Nations, I think, um, was pretty evenly contested. I know we came out on top and we won it. The games are quite tight. Um, there's quite a few games here which could have gone either way, you know, from our perspective and from other nations' perspective as well. Um, so yeah, so I think like I think it says, don't it? I think it's England eleven, is it? Wales ten, yeah. Ireland, Scotland, both eight. So I think mm. that that says a lot, really. You know, there's no doubt Scotland improved uh, in, in in obviously the last few years and stuff since the World Cup, and they showed in the, the two wins against France and England, and uh, they beaten us last year as well. So you know, I think look. Look, people are always going to argue about certain players in certain positions. They don't think a lot of them, mm. whether they be Welsh, English, Scottish or Irish. But I think 
I think the, the balance is not far off the right balance. Um, you know, I'm a bit biased and probably argue there's probably a couple of our players are very, very unlucky, which I think they are. Um, not to go, and George obviously is very unlucky with injury. He'd have been 100% dead, so there's no doubt in that. Um, so, but yeah, I think the balance is pretty good. We'll soon see in a couple of weeks anyway when the when the tour gets underway and uh, and when the test matches come around. So, but mm. South Africa and South Africa is incredibly tough. Um, you can argue it's, it's on a par with New Zealand. Um, mm. You know, they're incredibly good at home, um, and they're looking forward to certainly playing against the Lions. I always say it. I know it's a, it's a unique opportunity for us. It's once every four years, but for who you're playing against, is once every twelve. Some yeah. of the best players that will probably play for New Zealand, South Africa, and Australia might never get a chance to play against the Lions. Mm. Like that's how unique it is. So it's an incredible honour for them as well as well as it is for us. Mm. And you said that you know maybe a few Welsh players could have gone in, and maybe a few English players could have gone in. Was it the case of you know you're all sat around the table, and I think Warren said that you know there was about forty odd players that were named from everyone that didn't get in the squad. What was those conversations like? Did it take a day? Did it take weeks and months? Oh yeah, no, it's over weeks. It's not just one day, you know, and then mm. you obviously got to thrash her out the day before the squad's announced. But um, it does, it takes it takes weeks and stuff. And you know, is um mm. I think it was a little bit tougher for Robin coming in, coming in a little bit mm. later, you know, obviously with, with Graham Runcree and Steve Borthwick um dropping out and then coming mm. in. So Jan watched rugby in that sense of looking at players that would go on alliance to her. He's obviously mm. looking at stuff for Leinster. And rightly so. So it took Robin a few weeks just to get up to speed and have a look at a few players and cast, you know, cast his eye over a few of them. And obviously he knows the Welsh boys inside out. There's no doubt in that. Um, he mm. obviously got used to the Leinster boys and stuff. So, um, but again, it's just, you know, it's not an easy process. There's no doubt in that. You know, you want as many as your own nation you can go because you feel they're good enough. Um, mm. We won a Grand Slam, Six Nations title as World Cup semis. You know, we've beaten South Africa for the last five times. Mm. So, you know, we're one of them nations that, you know, you think can, you know, mix and match it with, with the Springboks. So, um, and, you know, whether it be there anywhere in the world. So, um, and I think 10 is a good number, but I think we're unlucky not to have a few more. There's no doubt in it. Yeah. And, and talking to Wally yesterday, he said in 97, you, of course, had play, people there with experience of touring South Africa with um, Ian McGeekin and there was Frank Cotton, who, were, who was the team manager at the time. Um it's almost like the role reversal now, isn't it? With with yourself and Gregor Townsend, who you know toured uh, South Africa in '97, uh, and he was ten, and you were fifteen. Um, how important is it to understand South Africa as a rugby nation when you go on these tours? Yeah, I think uh, look, a lot of these players that are going have already played against South Africa on mm. numerous occasions, whether at home, you know, in, in their nations or on tour with their nations as well. So a lot of these boys would have played against them, you know, on numerous occasions. There's no doubt in that. They know how physical and how uncompromising it's going to be, you know, because that's the reality of it. Um, look, me and Greg have played 24 years ago. That's, that's a huge yeah. amount of time ago. It's, yeah. The game has moved on. Uh, incredible since then. And, um, you know, so as from a rugby perspective, I'm not too sure, really. Look, I know we were lucky enough to be involved and we were lucky enough to win the series there, but the one thing you have to do when you go to this place is front up. There's mm -hmm. no other way about it because if you don't front up, they're going to walk all over you. It's plain and simple. Mm -hmm. You know, they'll test your manhood. They'll certainly try to bully you. Physicality will be through the roof. Um, and there's not going to be an awful lot of space out there. So the aerial game in terms of the kicking and the compete, um, trying to find space, trying to find grass, trying to take your overlaps when they come is going to be massive when it does come because there's going to be only a few chances and you're going to be good enough to take them. There's no doubt in that. Mm. And how important is someone like, you know, for example, Elliot Daly, who, you know, as we talked about the kicking conditions out there, you know, he could possibly kick a, kick a goal from his own 22 if, if he had to. How, how important are, are the place kickers on this tour? 
yeah, all, well, I think they're the most important. Like, I yeah. guess you can argue that because I'm biased and that's yeah. the area <laughs> after, but the reality is that's what it'll come down to. If you look at most of the series from, you know, uh, maybe, you know, you can go back, 93 it was quite tight, you know, his Grand Fox mm. probably just snuck it in the end with a, with a last minute kick in that first test. Um, it was myself in 97, Johnny in 2001. You know, Carter, 2005, so even go on and on. Mornay Stain State, in you know, 2009, nine, yeah. Yeah, nine halfers in 13, away mm. four years ago uh, with Elliot, you know, especially in our last test when they've scored two tries, we've kicked five mm. penalty goals. So Amazing. the reality is that's what it comes down to. Game, test matches are won and lost through kicking. And uh, more often than not, certainly Lions series are won and lost through kicking. So, um, yeah, the goal kickers will play a huge part in this tour. There's no doubt in that. And someone like Elliot, you've got Stuart Hogg, um, who can kick, you know, a fair distance as well, and he's a, you know, he's a long range goal kicker. But Elliot, you know, certainly put a couple of the four in that in that area. There's no doubt. Mm. About I, I think that probably the most annoying thing for Warren has been over the last few years is that the lack of time with with the actual squad. And um, mm. is it the same this year? Do you only have a few weeks to prepare? Because obviously yeah, Japan's you, only well four weeks away. Yeah, you turn up on the Sunday. Two weeks prior to the Japan game, and that's it. You train on the Monday, so you mm. you have four days of training that week, pretty much, and then the following week you're into a test match. So that's crazy. And you won't have all your players here either, because some will be in finals, some yeah. will be playing in the English Premiership final. You could have Finn Russell in the top fourteen final in France. Um, I think some of Sari's boys possibly might not be there mm. the first week. So mm. um, the Rainbow Cup they're talking about, but uh, I, I don't know how seriously you know the, the Celtic. It's all over the shop, isn't it? Yeah, oh. so yeah, so it's not look, it's not ideal when you're playing a nation that you know. I know they haven't played for two years, Japan, but you know, we'd be pretty comfortable in their surroundings and their own environment, there's no doubt in that. So we're coming together as four teams, and you know, it's not easy, but it is what it is. These boys are the best of the best, that's why they're there. And um, you know, you've got to hit the ground running as quickly as you can. And um, obviously, we you know, we need to be ready come Japan. Um, look, the reality is, same as anything, it's all about the test series, the last three tests. The last few games of the tour against South Africa, that's where people are remembered and more Lions series are remembered for. So, um, and that's what it'll be all about at the end of the day is how you get on in that test series and then, and then last three games. But, of course, you want to win the games prior to that and give yourself a good running into that test series. It's crazy to think, because I think in 2005, you weren't on that tour. I think after we lost the series 3-0, there, there was questions, I think, from people in the media saying, should the Lions be a thing? Um, obviously, you know, in 2009, we managed to get some pride back into that jersey and, and have done since. Uh, do you think the Lions have, have been undervalued over, over the last, you know, 20 years? Yeah. Because you know, in terms of the fixtures, obviously the rugby calendar is different for everyone. But do, do you think they're being undervalued? Um, I, I don't know about that, because if you ask any players, the ultimate honour. Mm. You know, any member but but by rug, uh, world rugby and, and um, stuff like yeah, well, the IRB, you know, I think the game has changed. There's no doubt in that. Mm. You know, you can only look at rugby league and Great Britain have hardly played are they for a long time, which is you know for me is, is criminal really. Yeah, um, but you know, it's very difficult because if you if you don't have the Lions, you, you go to stuff and you and you what you look forward to as a player, especially as a top mm. player. Anyway, you know, you you want to play in the five nations. Uh, sorry, in the six nations and go back. In yeah. <laughs> Four nations. Uh, you want to play, yeah, no, exactly. You want to play in the, in the Six Nations. Um, you want to represent your country. You want to play in mm. World Cups. You want to be a barbarian. You want to be a British and Irish lion. That's mm. that's the history of our game. This is what our game is all about. I think financially for these sides playing against us is huge. You know, yeah. I don't know how much money they, they can earn, but, you know, for South Africa, New Zealand and Australia, I think Warren Gather from 2030 in Australia keeps them afloat for, for, for nearly till the next time the Lions come around. You know, mm. that's, that's how much money they can earn and stuff. So, you know, for World Rugby, 
you know, whether it be them or just be respective sort of companies in amongst the game. I'm not too sure who it is, but for yeah. them not to want the Lions is, is, is criminal for me. And um, of course, you know, you need to prepare, same as anything, but I don't think that's ever going to be the case anyway for some time yet until they can negotiate or, you know, get some time for the Lions to prepare before they go on tour. But, you know, we, we went four years ago, we literally played, um, flew on a, sorry, a Sunday and played on yeah. a Friday. It was the New Zealand Barbarians, was it? Yeah. Was that the, it's yeah. Insane. It's insane. It's insane. You know, it takes you 24 hours to get to New Zealand. Yeah. And then the time difference and then to play on a Friday night. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, or Saturday night, sorry, whatever it was. It's just, it's just insane. It's, it's crazy. Mm. So, you know, at least, at least, you know, we'll play in, play in Edinburgh at this zero time difference or an hour, um, fly on a Sunday night and, and we'll get in there on a, on a Monday, right, to go and don't play till the following Saturday. So, yeah. at least that's a, that's a bonus, if you like, you know. So, um, but yeah, look, the, the Lions is the be all and end all for me. It's what it's all about. It's what Test Rugby is about. When you ask any players, and, and you can ask a lot of the English players who they've won World Cups, they probably say the best to us, certainly Delali or Johnson, these type of guys. It's probably the best trip they've been on was the Lions, 97. Uh, a, fi- a final word on, on South Africa. Um, as we said, they haven't played in, in nearly two years since that World Cup final in 2019. Um, but they've, they've still got, you know, some informed players playing in Europe, the likes of Cheslin Colby. I, I don't know if you watched the European Cup final, but he was on fire. Faftik Lurk's been superb for sale and they've got a load of other South Africans as well. Um, what, what dangers do they pose the Lions? And will you be keeping an eye on that, those two tests against Georgia? Yeah, yeah, we certainly watched the Georgia games because they wouldn't have played since the World Cup. Mm. They, they pose huge problems, didn't they? They're the world champions. Yeah. You know, the last few times the Lions have been there, they've been world champions. Hmm. So it says it all, doesn't it? it says it all. They, play they set it up good, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, they do. They, they play a certain style, a certain brand of rugby. They're totally different than New Zealand or Australia. You know, as I said, physicality will be through the roof. You know, it'll be a huge kicking game. There won't be an awful lot of space. You know, they're very direct. They run hard. They look set piece. They look to be strong. You know, they try and sort of dominate you in that area in the scrum, as for sure, and drive the line-out game. So, look, it's, you know, we've been there. You, you probably don't have to do a massive amount of analysis to actually play mm-hmm. against Africa. You know what's coming. Um, and it's going to be coming in, uh, certainly in uh, in a couple of weeks' time and stuff when, when the tour gets underway. There's no doubt in that. And, and their provincial sides will be the same. They'll be very physical, mm-hmm. you know, uncompromising, looking to hurt a few of our guys. There's no doubt in that. And sending them home. That's, that's the, that'll be their mentality and the reality of it. So uh, we need to front up to that and uh, we need to be better than that, that's for sure. So, mm. um, but they got some fantastic players, as you already said. Fafta Klerk, you know, he's a, he's a big, big player for them at nine. Andre Pollard's just coming back from injury with Montpellier, mm. you know, Jason Colby. So, you know, they, they, Willie LaRue, if he comes back. So, Delande, um, yeah, um, they, they've got some class, class players and uh, players that have been there, done it, and same in the forwards as well. So, uh, it'll be a huge challenge for Lions, there's no doubt in that, but, you know, when you need to meet head on. Yeah, and I think they're bringing back Mornay Stein and Francois Stein as well, I think, isn't they? Yeah, well, they both uh, they both play in there. Mornay is in the Blue Bulls yeah. going Pretoria, so and he can kick a ball a country mile. He's very accurate as well, good player. Yeah. So hasn't played Test rugby for some time, but um, you know, and obviously Francois, you know, he's been there, done it. Played against the Lions twice, double World Cup winner. So um, you know, he's uh, you know pretty special player. So uh, maybe it'll be an handful for us. There's no doubt in that. But uh, I'd like to think on conversely on the other side, we've got a few players that they'll certainly be keeping an eye on as well. Mm. Well, finally, before you go, Neil, is it okay if we finish with a quick fire round? Try, yeah. Try. I, mean, I, I say it's quick fire, you know, people take like five, ten minutes to do this. I think I was here with Steve Ant for about a half hour. He's just like, hmm, coached so many great players, hasn't he? So, um, yeah. yeah, so you ready? 
Yeah. Awesome. Uh, right. Firstly, this is a hard one. Well, they're all hard anyway. Uh, who's the best player that you've played with? Oh, wow. <laughs> best player I've played with. Um, thank you, Moses. I've been lucky enough to play. Uh, look, for me, it'd be the players I play with the Pono Priest. You know, week in, week out, be Dale and probably Paul John. Maybe the best players that I've played with. People are front up. And, and you know, I don't want to sound to the other players that I play with the Pondy because they're some fantastic players. But, you know, they're always a privilege and a pleasure to play with. And we're incredible how they went about the game. Um, yeah. You know, the players for us at Pondy, they're massive. Yeah, it's amazing. People don't realise how good Ponty were in the mid-90s, you know, the, especially that, that brief game away, which was, yeah. you know, the equivalent now is, is incredible, isn't it? Um, the best play that you've come up against? Um, well, I, I've, I've played against Jonah on a few occasions. And again, I was lucky enough to play against Jonah for the Barbarians as well. So obviously I know I go with my Ponty boys there, but he, he's, he's an unbelievable player, Jonah, unbelievable. So to yeah. play against him, Play with him was incredible. The play against him was probably ridiculously hard. Um, but again, as a ten, probably you know the best players I'd have played against as a ten would be uh, Mertens. I played against Malaka, and obviously Johnny was pretty good as well. So Johnny Wilkinson. So yeah, it's difficult to pick one, but them guys would you know um, would stand out pretty uh, pretty high. Mm. Uh, best friend in best rugby. What well, Dale? Dale. Dale. <laughs> Dale. I, I, heard he, I heard he was unhappy that you went to Cardiff. Is that true? Well, uh, probably. He makes things <laughs> happy then, so you've got to be careful what he says, but he probably wasn't happy that I went to Cardiff, yeah. There's no doubt in that. So, but he uh, come but back, yeah. so he's all good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, um, your favourite coach that you've played under? Uh, favourite coach, again, uh, you know, I really enjoyed my time at Pontpree with Dennis and Lynn. Um, probably the best one, you know, again, and they've been excellent, is probably Graham. Graham's been fantastic and I really enjoyed playing under Graham when obviously when he was your coach in Wales. Mm. Uh, best match you've been involved in as a player or a coach? Um, I, I got three if I'm if that's what I like to say. Yeah, go on, go, go on. <laughs> the 96 final against Neath. Yeah, so of course. Um, My England dad said he cried that night. <laughs> yeah, England at Wembley and the second test in Durban for the Lions. Amazing. Right. Uh, worst drink you've played with? Worst drinker? Dale, I'm joking. <laughs> no, oh, I don't. No. I've seen no, him with skinny dog a few times. Probably me. I'm the worst one, probably. So uh, I don't know. I don't know. say he's actually a rubbish drinker. So um, I, I don't know really. But uh, they're all good I, in Ponty, were they? Well, they were all very good. Yeah, I would have been the worst drinker by far. So um, well, I don't well, was myself, it? actually. I think I, I'm the worst drinker. Crap. Well, was, yeah. Wasn't there a picture of you? Was it either you were man of the match or something at Sardis Road and you had a big crate of Heineken? There was like loads of crates yeah. of Heineken. Yeah. Like, like you'd thousand, never get that now, uh, would you? No, it was a thousand uh, Heineken points or something, something like that. Oh, in league amazing. points. And uh, I didn't even drink one can. The boys drank it all. <laughs> I was playing against Scotland not long after that and the boys put it all on the bus and took it to Scotland with them and uh, drank a lot. <laughs> so... Well, 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 my next question was biggest troublemaker on and off the field, but I think that, that goes to the Chief, does it? Easily Dale, yeah, easily <laughs> Chief. <laughs> um, this is the final one now. This might be a bit of an easy one. Uh, finally, if you weren't a rugby player, what would have been your dream job? Oh, wow. I, I used to love working with my father as a scrap merchant. Mm. I absolutely used to love it. Uh, from mm. a young kid, um, anytime I could go with my father or my grandfather in the lorry, I, I was there. Um, so... That would have been my dream job, if I'm honest, anyway, with my mm. dad. Um, and, and obviously, my grandpa as well, you know. It's just a pleasure to be with him in the lorry and to be out anyway, really. So, uh, I always think about a fireman, if I'm honest. But um, mm. 
you know, with your mom being involved in the scrap and stuff, and all that that was certainly my uh, my dream job. You know, so, uh, was that. it true you you set him you set his pocket on fire when you tackled him when you were younger? Yeah, yeah how yeah, did yeah. that happen? <laughs> uh, well, you just had him in his top pocket, and um, I just smashed him quite high, like so. He was he was probably drunk. Um, offered me to do a tackling challenge at the field, so we went up and uh, actually set him alight. So he's on fire <laughs> in, his, in his top chest and his pocket and stuff, and that. so. Uh, he would uh, one tackle and that was the end of him. You want to go back down the outside? He's done enough. So. <laughs> well, what, what a week to finish the show, Neil. Um, it's been an absolute yeah. pleasure having you on the show, mate. Uh, no I hope you enjoyed it as much as much as I have. Uh, all the yeah. best on the yeah. Lions yeah. tour, and um, hopefully you can bring back the series just like '97. Yeah, it would be nice. No, thank you for having me on. I know better late than never. Yeah, oh, mate, <laughs> we, we've it was been awesome. for some time. I know that, but uh, look, it's a pleasure. Um, you know, obviously, Honorable has been a massive part of, part of my life and stuff. And uh, from a young kid up until I went and then come back. So, um, but uh, yeah. hopefully, they forgive me for that. But look, yeah, yeah, pleasure to speak to you and uh, good luck. And hopefully, everything uh, gets back underway soon with the rugby. Awesome. Thanks, Neil. Uh, all the best uh, today, now, and all best with the, with the tour. And uh, maybe we can get you back on after we win the series. Yeah, it'd be good. We'll do our best anyway. We'll give it a go after. <laughs> Next year, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> right, definitely. cheers, Neil. Thank you. Take care. Thanks a lot, Thank buddy. You.